America and to all of our all over the world. You are listening to a new episode in a new year of Let's Leak In. I am your host, Mr. Brandon Perkins. Joining me as always is Chris Logi and Patrick Mifflin. Say hi, guys. Yo. Hello. Yeah. So it is January 7th, 2023. Um, it's only been seven days into the new year, and yet somehow it feels like it's already been three months. I don't know why. <laughs> Shit just seems to go far too fast these days. I don't know. But yeah, it is a new year. First show for this new year. Um, and we all are more or less recovered from the, you know, after Christmas food comas and after New Year hangovers. Um, you know, mostly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in the meantime, while we were gone, holy shit, a lot of things happened. Um, yeah. Which we expected because, I mean, we didn't have a show around New Year's because, you know, we decided to just take the take that weekend off because, let's be honest, none of us were going to be in any shape to do it. Um, I was just busy. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll get to that. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that, trust me. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, a bunch of other shit happened. Uh, Andrew Tate finally wrote a check that his ass couldn't cash. <laughs> um. The Southwest is kind of having a not okay time right now. Uh, the Demar Hamlin plays for the Buffalo Bills suffered a very, one of those like extremely rare, but it's not necessarily. It's both extremely rare and yet also not extremely rare. It's one of those things that has been recorded before, but. It's like one of those things that where all the stars have to align exactly right for it to happen. And it's yet, the kind of thing. It's the kind of thing I reserve the term "freak accident" for. Yeah, it's yeah, and uh, because of it, everybody started spewing a bunch of uh, fucking vaccine conspiracy theories. Because of course they did. <sighs> but uh, and then of course there's all the crazy shit that went down in the House of Representatives when they were trying to have a new speaker, and it took them like. Well, we'll tell you. <laughs> Let's just say it's it's it it, it 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 hadn't happened like this in over a century. Yeah, Kevin McCarthy piled up L's at a faster rate than the Anaheim Ducks. Pretty much. Um, but of course, we got all that and a bunch of other entertainment and non-entertainment related shit to talk about. But before we get to any of that, as always, we got to uh, sort of catch up with all the stuff we've been doing recently and. Considering we've had, you know, the holidays and a couple of weeks after to deal with it, well, yeah, we're going to got some stuff to talk about. So, Chris, you start us off. What have you been doing these last couple of weeks? Working and trying to chill when I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we had a very unseasonably warm holiday mm-hmm. as uh, yeah, Christmas weekend was very cold. Uh, then uh, New Year's weekend was more like 50s, 60s. Mm. Uh, which was not great mm. uh, to be so warm. I think we still had warm for a few more days after that. My air conditioning actually turned on at one point because it was that warm, uh, essentially. So that's annoying. I had to just turn it off because it wouldn't stop turning on. So mm-hmm. that was annoying. But uh, yeah, now it's back in the 30s. So we're right back where we should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, for things I've been doing, I've been watching a bunch of stuff on Netflix. Uh, Alice in Borderland, season two, I finished that up, and that goes some places uh, in the last couple episodes that 
uh, wasn't where I was expecting. I was expecting something to happen, but not what ultimately led uh, to those events. And then mm-hmm. uh, they set up for, I think, like a final season three. We'll see. But uh, that's been uh, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I did watch the uh, movie White Noise, mm-hmm. uh, which is one that features... Um, trying to think who it is. Uh, Adam Driver mm-hmm. uh, as the father of this family of mm. kind of misfits of sorts. Because mm-hmm. uh, uh, he has his current wife, uh, Babette, and a number of children, some that are from Babette, some from prior marriages uh, sort of thing. And I think this takes place, I'm not sure when, uh, maybe the 90s or something like that, but there's like this weird toxic uh, airborne event mm-hmm. thing that happens. So they are trying to figure out what to do as a result of that, uh, leading on to a wild little uh, series of events. Uh, mm. It's kind of a a dark comedy kind of thing mm-hmm. of sorts as the, as Adam driver is the dad is kind of trying to, you know, be, you know, a confident person in light of something that he has no idea how to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, while his one of his kids is very much like taking in all the information from the radio and all that that he can find, uh, that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's a it's a wild, weird movie, mm. uh, especially capped off by a very weird uh, credit sequence where the family goes to the grocery, or yeah, the supermarket. Mm. And it goes on this big, long, like music video kind of thing that has a a new song from I forget what band it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, LCD Sound System, uh, new song from them as they're going around. Basically, all the actors that are in the movie uh, show mm-hmm. up as well, and they start just dancing in this grocery store. It's a whole weird thing. So uh, that's a whole, and that kind of gets around the 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 Netflix. Uh, zoom out credits mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, so if you're uh, a fan of uh, you know actors and the people who work on the movie getting the credits that they deserve, this kind of subverts that in a fun way mm-hmm. uh, as it just kind of continues playing this whole thing uh, that is just a, a whole fun thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else. I watched Kaleidoscope, which is a new series on Netflix that is it features, um, oh, what's his face from Breaking Bad? Gustavo, yeah. Uh, uh, Gus Fring is in this. Mm. Uh, he plays like the, the veteran thief of sorts that uh, goes to prison at a certain point in his life for you know missing out on a big heist thing. Mm. Uh, gets sort of screwed over by his partner and sort of uh, vows to get even one day and sort of gathers a new crew once he gets out of prison uh, to get back at them with the mm. new big heist, that kind of thing. Uh, the neat thing about it is that I forgot how many episodes is in like nine or 10, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but they randomize the order of the episodes that you get yeah. uh, to kind of play around the way that stuff is laid out. Yeah in an interesting way. So like the the first episode I got was like a flashback that 
I guess could have happened at any point. Probably happens more early in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else seemed kind of to be in uh, the order that it should be in uh, chronologically. Mm-hmm. Uh, though when it comes to the heist, they kind of just skip that. Uh, and I get uh, the the heist was my last episode. Mm. That was kind of a weird way to do it. Uh, but since the, because I don't think they play everything in complete random order. Mm-hmm. I think they probably have certain ones that get randomized around because uh, there's a few episodes that end with like longer credits that are like, mm. oh, these are probably ones that could be your ending episode of sorts. Uh, but yeah, I got through what would be, be the chronological end and then it showed me what happened during the heist because I just basically got to the start mm. as they're about to head out and then the aftermath. I'm like, okay, well, I know something bad happened. Uh, mm. That kind of thing. So it's neat. Uh, uh, the show itself is all right. It's an all right heist mo- like show kind of thing. You know, it's very, very boilerplate. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything that it does uh, for that stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty neat. Hopefully, they can get uh, somebody that has like a better idea for how to do uh, this kind of idea. Uh, but make all the episodes sort of be more interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like the the way that they do with like Memento, where it's all these different scenes, but they're just shown in reverse order. Mm-hmm. So you kind of learn how the origin is at the end uh, versus you know, everything you see earlier, that kind of stuff. Uh, so, yeah, that was neat. Uh, but that's mm-hmm. pretty much it for the stuff I've watched. Uh, for games, uh, I've been playing a bunch of Vampire Survivors. Uh, streamed that for New Year's Eve. Uh, which was fun to do, though the archive was not uh, great. Uh, I ended up with two uh, videos that totaled about uh, 95 gigabits. Because mm-hmm. uh, that is, if you know Vampire Survivors, it's a game where there's just nonstop nonsense happening on screen at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that means that it balloons the size of the video pretty huge versus yeah. other games that are more... Uh, stationary mm-hmm. throughout. So, but I played the new map that is the mm. DLC. That is this big ass map where you have you know mountains on one side to go up. Uh, there's some buildings to go on the the top right side, and below there's sort of fields to go through to go some other areas. Mm-hmm. I didn't even go through a ton of it, but along with that, you get some new characters that you can play as with some cool weapons of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and that stuff you kind of do a lot of your progression there by you know playing with a character for X amount of time to unlock their weapon, then figuring out the uh, the evolution for that weapon to unlock the next character, and then playing with that character for X amount of time to unlock the next weapon. That kind of thing for mm-hmm. the handful of ca- new characters it adds. So you get some some weird new weapons. And the trick with those weapons is that uh, all the regular weapons, you basically just have to get the the weapon and its support item mm-hmm. and max out the weapon to its max level. Yep. Uh, but with this DLC, for those weapons, you have to max out both the weapon and its support item before mm-hmm. it can get the evolution. Uh, but once you do, you get some, some fun stuff there. Add some more mm-hmm. chaos to this game that didn't really need it, but... Uh, people definitely enjoy having all the nonsense that game is all about. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a that's a worthy extra two bucks to spend on that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those that enjoyed the the first bit, gives you some more stuff to work on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's that, and then uh, just been playing more Rocket League, uh, enjoying yeah. that. Uh, finished up the the big winter event uh, as much as I could, and been working on the. the you're just playing more of it, so mm-hmm. that's been pretty much it for me. How about you, Pat? Yeah, what about you? Oh, well, uh, first of all, um, well, some of you listening might know this, but my YouTube channel has pretty much swallowed me up at this point, yep. which is fine. I, I'm fully accepting that that's just what my life has become, and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. And honestly, I'd rather... Have, I'd rather be sinking a lot of time into my YouTube channel than not have the creative energy to maintain it, which went on for a really long time, and I was fucking miserable throughout that period of my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm really happy to be back to to doing this kind of content again, and um, I just want to do everything that I can to sustain that creative energy because it's refreshing. Mm. Um, over the... Over the New Year's weekend, I got rid of the vast majority of my retro games, which is substantial. Um, it took up a good uh, portion of my kitchen counter when I took pictures of it. Um, and really, I was just doing this to both downsize and try to kind of future-proof my gaming library because of things that we know now about disc rot and just general hardware failure uh, on those older platforms. Um, So circling back to my YouTube channel, I've talked a lot about what I call the compatibility line, which is when 8th gen consoles adopted x86 architecture. And that should make everything fully backward compatible if it has been released from after the compatibility line on. And so I do have a much better deal of trust in online on digital platforms, digital storefronts at this point. And also I think the Nintendo switch is fine for what it is because it uses physical media. And the only moving part on the system is a fan that should be easily replaced once it becomes a problem. And so I'm just trying to get my entire gaming library, you know, up to that point where I can feel confident that I'm not going to have hardware or software failure over the years. Like, I just don't want to deal with that anymore. Mm. So I've um, I've done this full rebuild. I've been getting really large shipments of Switch games in the mail over the last few days. Um, and I, obviously, I put a picture of where I'm at now in the in the studio chat room. Um, and there's more on the way. Like everything should be here by Tuesday, I think, but there might be a, a game or two that falls past that. Um, and so I'm going to be doing a lot of content on my channel about how I'm doing this rebuild and also what games I did hold on to, because there, there were some games that I just didn't have the heart to get rid of after all these years. And, um, you know, I got rid of my PlayStation copy of Grandia and that, that hurt. So I'm I was a little more selective from that point on about what I was willing to let go of. And so there's going to be probably a video or two about what made the cut for 
games that I'm going to be holding on to for the long haul. Um, and also, I did make another purchase that I'm not going to talk about yet that was completely <laughs> unplanned. Um, but if it pans out the way that I think it will, it's going to be another really good source of content for my channel and maybe even some editorial stuff on smash pads. So we'll see, but I'm really excited about that. And I don't know how well I'm coming through over the, the chat because my, my bandwidth is no, you're coming through fine. Okay. That's good. Cause my bandwidth is being seriously, um, affected by the fact that I did get two 512 gigabyte SD cards today, yeah. one of which is for my Nintendo Switch, and it's currently downloading all of my digital stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, no, everything's I, fine. No, I, I'm sure people at my ISP are losing their shit, but yeah, hopefully this is all done by morning. Yeah. But um, the other SD card is for that purchase that shall be named later. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Other than that, um, the announcement of GT7 support for the PSVR 2 is really kind of frustrating me because I would had it set in my mind that I wasn't going to get it, that I wasn't going to buy a PSVR 2 because it's not backward compatible with the first one, and there are a lot of games that I love on the first PlayStation VR, uh, especially stuff like Wipeout Omega Collection and Polybius. So... Yeah. The fact that I can't play those on the PSVR 2 really pisses me off. Mm-hmm. So I'd had it in my head that I wasn't going to get the PlayStation VR 2 at all. And then they go ahead and announce that it's going to get GT7 support. And I don't want to do this for just one game, but my God, I remember playing GT Sport on the first PlayStation VR. Mm. And what an amazing time that was. So it's going... Whatever decision I come to is going to fucking suck. Mm. I've just kind of accepted that, and I I need to figure out what I'm going to do. But yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at right now. Yeah. Uh. Well, as for me, uh, the big thing is I actually got me myself a PS5 for Christmas. So yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Yeah, and I got it for Christmas, and I got it from my dad because my dad just managed to find a guy who works at uh, Warner Robins Air Force Base who was uh, buying them in bulk and kind of flipping them. And um, he managed to get me one. So, <laughs> um, But, uh, yeah, so, and me and Pat talked about this earlier, but I'll go ahead and talk about it again. Two things about this console I did not realize, first and foremost. First is the packaging for this console is extremely fragile. <laughs> Um, yeah. Like, uh, okay, so just to... When, of, when he was telling me that he got a PS5 that was and the packaging was fragile, I just immediately went right to... You tore it, didn't you? Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. Um, now, I mean, it's still more or less in one piece or anything, but there's a pretty noticeable tear on there. Um, but, okay, so here's the thing you need to know. Um, so when you get a PS5, and keep in mind, the uh the the standard you know disc PS5. Um, it comes in a box that has like a little you know rubber handle on it because it wants to be all fancy like a suitcase. And when you open it up, um, as and as is the case with basically most consoles, this thing is like overpackaged as hell. Um, and there's the little you know. Did you order it online or did you get it in a store? 
Uh, well, Dad got it more or less secondhand, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the shipping well, boxes are obnoxiously huge. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you open up the top of it, flap that you have to get out so that, you know, the top will come off. Um, and so I removed that, and so I'm pulling, you know, stuff out of the box because, you know, it's all, um, you know, kept together with, like, those plastic brackets on each side. And so I'm pulling it out because, you know, it keeps it nice and tight in the box, which, you know, is what it's supposed to do. And so you grip it, and you pull it out, you know, and like what a lot of people do is because, you know, it's in there kind of tight, you sort of grab hold the thing you're trying to pull out, and then at the same time you grab hold the box, so you're pulling out the thing while pushing the box away from you. And um, long story short, I damn near ripped the box in half. <laughs> Because, I mean, this is supposed to be cardboard. It might as well just be paper. <laughs> I um, promise you that that probably happened to most PS5 owners. Yeah. Um, the other thing I did not realize is, holy shit, this console is huge. Yeah. Um, legitimately, like, enormous. Um, and it suddenly made me understand why they have to give this thing, like, they have to package, like, its own stand. <laughs> to set it on, because otherwise this thing would probably collapse in on itself from its own weight. Um, I guarantee you these have been in... I guarantee you these have been in evidence rooms and not just as stolen merchandise. Yeah. Um, like, it's been on the market for two years. Somebody's been struck by one of these on purpose. Oh, yeah. Um, also, it made me realize that they honestly probably over-designed the, the thing. Like, it didn't need to look this weirdly Flamboyant? Sleek. Yeah, flamboyant looking. Like, I keep looking at this thing, and I it agree. looks like it... I mean, I, I keep looking at this thing, and it looks like it wants me to send me into the Shadow Realm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah but, it does have the whole pop collar thing going on. Yeah. Um, Apparently, D-Brand can help you with that. Yeah. Um... Funny, but other than that, yeah, so I went ahead and, you know, restarted my uh, old PS Plus application because, you know, the, they've integrated all of it in one thing now instead of, you know, spreading it out. And uh, so I've, you know, I've gotten to play stuff like uh, Retur Returnal, which I've really enjoyed. Um, you can never go wrong with Housemark. Yeah. Um, some uh, other stuff like... Uh, I went and, you know, re-downloaded, you know, Mass Effect, uh, the collection. and um, oh, I bet that looks good on the PS5. Oh, it looks gorgeous. Um, also, you know, uh, The Witcher 3, which, those you don't know, they made a new, a new gen console update for it. So, it looks unbelievably gorgeous now. Um, I also played Biomutant, which, weirdly enough, turned out to be a lot shorter than I thought it was going to be, but still relatively enjoyable. Um, and yeah, I got some other stuff on there now too. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of, it's, I'm really glad to have it. Um, but, uh, other than that, um, I also got a couple of games for my switch. Um, first and foremost was Splatoon 3, which I'd already played a bit of Splatoon 3 and really enjoyed it. Now I've actually got it and, uh, for my own and yeah, it's, it's fantastic. You can definitely tell that, um, they took a lot of inspiration 
for this time around for the D for more from the DLC that they added to Splatoon 2 rather than the actual game because much of what you're doing in Splatoon 3 is like a mixture of like the regular levels that you got in Splatoon 2 but also those sort of like test levels from the DLC where you have to like you know go through uh through the level without losing any ink or trying to get all of the targets in one shot or something like that um they're also like they also really do go a lot more into the sort of darker undertone that the Splatoon universe has like right really like right off the bat because the actual game takes place mostly in you know and, and you know the actual like campaign takes place in this what's essentially a uh like an eco bubble that was made by human survivors called Alterna and you're being talked to by this AI that's like trying to teach you how to get through it and everything. And like as you're doing it, you get access to like the Alterna logs, which are like these computer logs, and where you'll get like photographs and stuff, and it's like showing you what the story of the it gives you sort of it gets more info on what the backstory for the uh for the uh, Splatoon universe is. Um but yeah, a lot of fun. And I've also got Xenoblade 3, which I haven't started yet, but I will be. Um and uh really other than that, just the weather is weird and makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't. Georgia weather makes no sense. You know, up and going up through up until Christmas, I mean it was getting down to the twenties and thirties and then it shot back up into the set into like the high 60s low 70s you know afterwards and now it's back down to like 50 none of this shit makes sense you know what i'm saying i mean i'm stuck under the frozen white blanket of suck right now so i yeah i kind of envy it all right yeah well anybody want to add anything else before we move on yes i haven't had the chance to talk about this on the podcast yet but ridge racer 2 is part of the playstation plus premium now and It's one of the best arcade racers ever printed. North American debut for it that here. Mm-hmm. You owe it to yourself to play it if you haven't played if you haven't played it in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, alrighty then. Well, with that, we're then moving on to everybody's favorite part of the show, which is Brandon's random factoid. And uh, today, I wanted to go back in time to the era of of. Something that just kind of generally sucked um, and unfortunately kept going for far too long and didn't really, wasn't something we really managed to curtail until like the early part of the 20th century. Uh, That is the wonderful, awful world of patent medicines. Um, Do you guys know what a patent medicine is? I got nothing. Okay, uh, so you know how... You, you'll turn you, in the old, you know, like, and of course, you know, this depends on whether or not, you know, you still use cable or satellite TV or whatever. Um, and you get those commercials for, like, you know, you're not feeling so good having those days where you feel heavy. Ask your doctor if so-and-so is right for you. You know, shit like that. That's kind of like a technically what a patent medicine is, except... The type of patent medicines we're talking about are, one, mostly bullshit, and two, you didn't need a prescription to get them. They were basically treatments that you could be per- that could be purchased without a prescription. Um, a lot of them were commercially protected by trademarks, and despite what the name suggests, very rarely were they ever actually patented. Um, 
And the thing was, most of the time, consumers had no idea what was actually in these medicines, including a lot of times the ones we the, they gave to their children. And we'll get that, but just to sort of give you the idea of what we're talking talking about here. Keep in mind, up to this point, you know, medicine had traditionally always been sort of a, shall we say, a science of guesses. <laughs> Um, keep in mind, like, what, what are, like, some of the oldest medical treatments known to man? You had shit like bloodletting, you know, where, you know, you literally cut yourself and drained blood out of you. But then you had stuff like trepanning, which is where you literally just drilled a hole in someone's head. <laughs> uh, the scientific... The scientific method literally comes out to fuck around and find out. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and the weird thing about... And the thing is about both those treatments is they were basically global. Um, like, and the trepanning thing especially is like not just centuries, but millennia old. Like they found ancient skulls with who had undergone trepanning. And this wasn't like a, like a, a, a crude thing. Like they took really good care when they did this. And uh, by all as accounts, much care as you can when you're drilling a fucking hole in their head. Yeah, and by all accounts, like whenever, from what they've been able to see, when they did it to someone, the person would just get up and then go about their day with a fucking hole in their head. <laughs> like, but then you as know, you after, yeah, and so eventually, you know, we developed the concept of medicines. And of course, you start off with like Hippocrates and you know his whole thing, you know. Um, and, you know, eventually when it came to medicine, we got to things like herbs and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, it got to the point where we could start actually, you know, producing drugs, you know, like morphine and cocaine and stuff like that. And guess where we just decided, let's get everyone so hopped up that they don't care what's ailing them. Yeah. Uh, and this is where patent medicines come in, because guess where a lot of that cocaine and morphine made itself to? <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, it went into this stuff. Uh, famously, cocaine was a over-the-counter drug that you could get, as was heroin. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, this also made its stuff would make its way into patent medicine. Uh, there's one particular patent medicine you probably drank at least once in your life, and that is what is what we know of today as Coca-Cola, which originally was made by a a pharmacist in my home state of Georgia trying to make a patent medicine, and he inadvertently created a very popular soft drink. Um, in fact, that's actually funny because that's kind of how a lot of the old soft drinks came to existence. Pepsi. Pepsi-Cola. Basically, was the guy was trying to uh, do something similar to what the Coca-Cola guy did, but he added Pepsin, which is a stomach medication, into the formula, and that's where the Pepsi part of the name comes from. That explains so much. Yeah. Um, but as for what we're talking about today, we're not talking about that. We're talking about something that you can file a lawsuit over. <laughs> um, so amongst these patent medicines, there was a specific part of them that were specifically aimed at treating children, and usually small children. Uh, for a whole host of things, like being able to clean their teeth, freshen their breath, relieve constipation, um, you know, help them go to sleep or deal with, like, sore tooth, sore throats or toothaches. 
One of oh, these this is where the heroin comes in, isn't it? Uh, yeah, kinda. Uh, so the particular pet in this that we're talking about is something called Mrs. Winslow's Soothing Syrup. And there's actually a, a, uh, exhibit at the DEA Museum that includes one of these things. Because the DEA is, of course, the, uh, the, 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 the government agency that's involved in regulating the, uh, sell of, amongst other things, you know, over-the-counter medication. Um, and Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup is one of the reasons the DEA came into existence in the first place. So, this was a a little vi- it came with a little with a little uh, bottle that was about um, 4.5 inches high with about, you know, uh, about one inch diameter. It wasn't terribly big. Um, and it came in this little box. And in this little box, and it would be like wrapped up in like, like a penny wrapper, you know, like when you were taking coins to the bank or whatever. Um, in these colorful little boxes that kind of look like cig- kind of look like cigarette cartons. Um, and it would, uh, it had like a lot of advertising, trading cards, calendars, always showing, you know, happy little sleeping babies in their beautiful new mother's arms. Um, and, you well, know... Because yeah, they're hopped up on smack. And, yeah, the, the parents would be like, you know, it's, it's, it's almost a miracle. I give this to my child, and it's like it puts them right out. Uh, it should. No, because should. Uh, it turned out that the, uh, the drug that they were giving them contained an insane amount of both alcohol... And morphine. Um, remember, this is a treatment that could be purchased without a prescription. Um, and again, most of the parents who gave this thing had no idea what was actually in this stuff. So as you can imagine, when some of these young children, which I want to mind you, often included infants, were given some of this syrup and then they went to sleep and never woke up. Now, morphine is addictive for basically everybody. Yeah. Right. I was going to say, I'm sure you had a lot of kids who were really looking forward to medicine time every night. Yeah. Uh, but for small children and infants, it is basically fatal, even in small doses. In small doses. Uh, now, morphine itself is an addictive pain reliever made from opium. And uh, morphine has its uses. Um, but uh, as anybody who's ever who anybody who's in the medical profession like me could tell you uh the thing about opiates is you want to use them in small frugal doses because otherwise it is very easy to turn the the patient into an addict pretty much at the drop of a dime um that's kind of why the opiate epidemic became a thing here down south uh because of all the oxycontin and shit that we kept (laughs) pushing out to people um you probably had a bunch of kids shitting concrete slabs, too. Oh, yeah. And, uh, obviously, as you can imagine, the syrup was not the only thing that put morphine into it. Uh, what made Miss Winslow's unusual is the fact that it was primarily a, a uh, medicine for children. In fact, its packaging specifically advertised that it, was, it could be used to treat, you know, toothaches and, of course the pain that comes from teething. I mean, yeah. it's not wrong. No, not entirely. Um, 
it will it will help with the pain. It just has a few other really awful side effects. Um, but eventually the outcry got so. But eventually there was just one too many dead children, and so eventually it led to the United States to the United States Congress passing the food the Pure Food and Drug Act in 1906, which means that. Now, uh, basically, okay. I'm curious. How many is one too many? Um, in the eyes of the law. Well, uh, I gotta know this. Should, yeah. So funny you should mention that. Even though, uh, like I said, Congress passed the Pure Food and Drug Act in 1906, which meant that um, it had to uh, you know list all the ingredients on the boxes, which you know in this case would include things like opiate, cocaine, cannabis, or anything like that. Um, Shortly after that, the American Medical Association went public denouncing the syrup because of its dangerous combination of ingredients and links to infant deaths. In spite of that, this thing remained on consumer shelves until well into the 1930s. <laughs> yeah. Old-timey pharmacies, man. Mm-hmm. Old-timey pharmacies. And remember, this was during, uh, you know, Prohibition, too. So Good catch, Uncle Sam. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh yeah so yeah that is one of the stories from the world of patent medicines one of the more awful ones uh and that has been yet another edition of brandon's random factoid so with that out of the way it is now time to move on to the show proper and as always with the show proper we start off with our assholes of the week and uh we had a couple <laughs> over these last couple of weeks to talk about uh, probably the first big major one is, uh, you might have heard the story a few uh, a little while back about uh, a quartet of University of Idaho students that were murdered. Well, the Idaho- authorities in Idaho have actually found the guy they think is responsible for it. Um, yeah. And this whole story is just wild. So, yeah, Chris, take it away. Yeah, so it involves this guy. Um... I'm not gonna say his whole name, but his first name is Brian. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they seem to believe is the one that killed these four kids. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, they he only killed four of the people that were there mm-hmm. in this uh, shared apartment. Mm-hmm. I believe there was a roommate, and I think one other person. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, three of them lived together with two other students. The fourth victim was uh, dating one of the. Uh, the people that was killed uh, mm-hmm. was also killed. So uh, that is the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, the the roommates, uh, let's see, the hours before the attack had been a normal Saturday night for partying uh, for the four victims. Witnesses and friends say uh, they attended, uh, two of them attended a fraternity together. Uh, the two others had gone to a bar and stopped by a food truck on the way home to their mm-hmm. house. All four were home by 2 a.m. and most were asleep by 4. Uh, the two other roommates were not attacked. Uh, they said that one roommate uh, was awoken at approximately 4 a.m. by sounds coming from upstairs, including what she thought was her roommate's uh, saying, there's someone here. Nice. Uh, looked out her bedroom door but didn't see anything, after which she heard more noises. She told investigators crying. A male voice said, it's okay, I'm going to help you. Mm-hmm. Or voices a loud thud, a dog barking, and she opened her door again. This time she saw a figure clad in black clothing and a mask walking towards her. It was a male stranger, she said, describing at least five foot ten inches. 
Uh, let's see. As she stood in a frozen shock phase, the man walked past her towards the house's rear sliding door, mm-hmm. into which the roommate locked herself in her room. And they tracked this guy's car to and from the crime scene, mm-hmm. uh, driving a Hyundai Elantra, traveling toward a home at 3.30 a.m., making several passes by the house, mm-hmm. and departing the area around 4.20 at a high rate of speed, uh, collecting mm-hmm. video footage of this car, uh, probably from various houses nearby. Mm-hmm. Uh, security footage from the campus. of and This person went to... School in Washington State University in Pullman, Washington, mm-hmm. uh, where one of the students, or no, this is the person, uh, uh, where there were a graduate student, showed a similar white sedan headed in the direction of Moscow, about 15 miles away across the state line, mm. uh, shortly before 3 a.m., then appearing to return around 5.30 a.m. Mm. And so on November 29th, police search of vehicles registered to Washington State uh, University students revealed this Hyundai Elantra registered to Brian. Mm. Originally with Pennsylvania Place, they were later registered in Washington. Uh, But then they started tracking his phone. Mm. Uh, Let's see. He had been subject to a traffic stop in August. At the time, he gave Moscow police his phone number. Late December, investigators worked through cell phone records, attempted to uncover whether his phone had pinged cell phone towers near the crime scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, initial search showed that his phone did not, in fact, ping any cell phone towers near the crime scene uh, around that time. But investigators noted the lack of cell phone pings could be an effort to avoid averting, alerting law enforcement of one's proximity to a crime scene. Spending their search, authorities discovered that uh, his phone pinged cell towers in Pullman around 2.47 a.m. Mm. This is with the phone departing Coburger's uh, residence and traveling south through Pullman. That was the last ping for about two hours. Mm. Then at 4.48 a.m., the phone appeared on the network again. Ping along highways south of Moscow, then west across the border into Washington State, then back north towards Pullman. So that seems to align with security footage that, uh, you know, the left and king got back around 5 o'clock in the morning. So all sorts of lineup. Also, uh, yeah, they found DNA evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they collected the DNA sample to test against the one that recovered from the button snap of a tan leather knife sheath found in a bed near one victim's body. That points to him. Mm. Uh, yeah, they recovered a sample from the trash outside uh, his family's residence in Albrightsville. They determined that the sample found in the trash, like it belongs to the biological father, the person who left the DNA on the knife sheath. Mm. And so, yeah, that's uh, kind of how they got this person. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, that was that was wild. Um, yeah, a lot of work went into this. Oh yeah, but uh, he's not the only asshole we got. This we got probably many would consider the supreme asshole uh, because Andrew Tate finally got what was coming to him this week. Um, now, if you don't know who Andrew Tate is, first of all, be glad that you don't. Um, because unfortunately I do, and I have to live with that knowledge. That's such a giant douchebag as this man it could exist. I am so sorry. Yeah. Um, all you really need to know is Andrew Tate is a man who fled from, I think it was Britain to Romania because he says that, uh, it's harder to, you know, their, their sexual assault and, uh, 
trafficking laws aren't as severe as they are in the rest of Europe. Well, this whole story is just hysterical. Okay, so the thing about Andrew Tate you have to realize is that he's constantly peacocking because he has really bad self-esteem. <laughs> um, um, he tries to hide it with, like, constantly pointing out how, you know, he, how much, how awesome he thinks he is and how, like, much better he is than everyone else. But yeah. the truth of the matter is, is he really has an extreme inferiority complex, one that's frankly clinical, I think. Um, and so one of the, for whatever reason, one day he decided to tweet, was it a, yeah, it was Twitter. Um, he decided to talk shit. Cause Elon let him back on Twitter. He's basically banned from every other major social media site. Yeah. So basically he decided to tweet some shit to Greta Thunberg a uh, 19-year-old young woman with autism, uh, about his, you know, he's like, I have this awesome car collection. I have 33 cars. One of them's super overpowered in a gas guzzler. What are you going to do about it? And Greta's like, yeah, that's interesting. Why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, email all that information? Something like get a life. Uh, he was like, what email should I send you this list yeah. to? And she's like, yeah, you should. That's interesting. You should email all this information to me at smallpenis at getalife.org or something like that. I think it was small dick energy. Yeah. Small, small dick energy at getalife.com. Yeah. And so he then in turn responded with a first with a tweet going, how dare you? Which I think was him in some way trying to like bring up, like make reference to that speech she gave at the UN years ago. Or I think yeah. it or was it at the G20? I can't remember. Um, which at the which the thing is because it's Andrew Tate, nobody interpreted interpreted it like that. They just interpreted it as you know him you know whining about his fragile ego. So then in turn he decides to record a little shitty video of him, you know, in like his robe with like a cigar in his mouth with like a Pizza, with like a box of pizza from like a local pizza chain um, yeah. there. Like flashing while he's talking and yeah. doing this weird stuff. Yeah. And then the next day we found out that his house had been raided and him and his brother had been arrested on trafficking charges. Yeah. And apparently the that rumor... escalated. Yeah, and apparently the rumor is what gave him away was the freaking pizza box. Because yeah. it basically... I don't think that's the case. Cause... I don't think it is either, but it's a damn good story, so we should just yeah. run with it. Um, yeah, the cops are much like, no, we didn't need the pizza box. We just needed to know when yeah. these guys were actually in town. Yeah, they were... Basically, they were just like, is he in the country? And then we get him. Which, yeah, uh... So they've raided him a number of times since then. Yeah. Uh, this article is from yesterday, where they took, uh... Four more of his cars after taking eleven. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's less cars of your from your collection. So, good job, yeah. asshole. Yeah. Um. And he's being held. I think he's. If I'm remembering what I what I've been told, apparently in Romania he's going to be held uh, in uh, jail for thirty days while the um, investigation is ongoing. I'm not yeah. sure if he's been formally charged with anything yet, but I would not be surprised if that's not something coming very shortly. Um, it can't be far off. 
it can't. Um, yeah. And in the had, mean, let's see. More and than... keep in mind, this is not the first time he's had run-ins with the law over shit like this. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. He, he's had more than ten properties or land owned by companies registered mm-hmm. to them have been seized, which would be used to pay for the investigation, and pay damages to victims if they are convicted. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the statement from the agency, which did not name the Tates, who grew up in Luton, Bedfordshire, mm-hmm. uh, said two British citizens and two Romanians were suspected of being part of a criminal group focused on human trafficking. Yep. Uh, they've been under criminal investigation in Romania since April of last year. Mm-hmm. Arrested in Bucharest on it's December 29th on charges of human trafficking, rape, and forming an online organized crime group. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Those are uh, serious charges. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, spent the days before trying to troll a woman in a different country. Yeah. <laughs> just because she, like AOC, have this weird energy about them that causes men to want to humiliate themselves around them. Yeah. All the time. Uh, Extremely. Uh, but yeah, they're going to, let's see. I'm sure their dignity will turn up on eBay later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're expected to appear in a Bucharest court next week to have their appeals heard against the judge's decision mm-hmm. to extend their arrest warrants from 24 hours to 30 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also appeal against the seizures of some of their belongings. Mm-hmm. Uh, they appear to deny the accusations that suggesting after his arrest, he had been captured by Matrix agents, a reference to beliefs based on the, sci- the sci-fi film series. Yeah, that's the weird thing is that all the people who are like in his personality cult have been saying that, you know, he got, he tipped off the Matrix or whatever. Yeah. That's the world we live in right now. Yeah. Unfortunately, this guy is one of those people has much more influence than they should. Mm -hmm. Considering he's incredibly stupid and. Yeah. Stupid uh, with a very fragile ego. Yeah, basically complete lack of morals. <laughs> um, yeah, of any and ethics of any kind. Yeah, even him showing up at an esports event. I forget for I think it was League of Legends, maybe. Yeah, uh, caused the CEO of the esports team that he was hanging out with to have to step down and resign from his team. Yeah, because of his uh, appearance there. Mm-hmm. And being associated with him despite trying to argue against cancel culture and all this. And it's like, yeah. no, you don't get to decide that shit. Yeah. You invited this man that's literally not allowed on any of these platforms. Yeah. Uh, remind people the reason he's originally from the UK, which, you know, surprisingly, if you've ever heard him, he doesn't seem to have much of an accent, but he's originally from the UK. And the reason he's not there anymore is because he had, he fled because he was, running a cam girl business, which, you know, in and of itself is, you know, whatever, fine. But apparently it, it, it one of the the women involved were like, yeah, I'm not, he's been like treating us really bad and like smacking us around and shit. And I'm pretty sure some of the girls here are not here by choice. And instead of, you know, trying to appeal any of that shit, he just pulled up stakes and fled to Romania. So, yeah, um... Anyway, screw this guy. <laughs> um, I hope they that the, the authorities in Romania just absolutely throw the book at him and he never steps out of jail again. And 
how cool is it that all of this happened because he tr- his his fragile little ego would not allow him to get to be clapped back at by a nineteen year old girl without with autism. It's perfect. I mean, it's just it's like all the things that Andrew Tate and his little cult despise all put in one person, and they're the ones responsible for him finally having to go to prison. <laughs> yeah, it's like karma is real, and it is a bitch. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really, I'm really concerned that it might be interfering with my weight loss because this has to be fattening. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so our last assholes of the week are Southwest Airlines because, uh, and th- this is probably something you've already heard about. Basically, during the holidays, they had to do a ton of cancellations because of its, frankly, ancient employee tracking system, which, because of all this shit, it... Southwest Airlines is probably going to have to pay out the ass in fines because of it. Um, but yeah, explain, Chris. Uh, so they had a very bad holiday. Yeah. Uh, hold on a second. I got to open up this article. Yeah. And keep in mind, you know, like uh, on the one hand, you would understand it because of, you know, the weather, because, you know, they had to deal with the Nor'easter and shit. Yeah. No, it wasn't because of that. <laughs> yeah, it was because. Uh, Partly severe weather causing delays and such, but uh, they have a whole system for tracking where employees are, mm-hmm. except it is so archaic that it never got upgraded to say something that doesn't require people to, I think, physically call in yeah. to tell you know whoever's running their, their system where they're at uh, versus, like, say, a phone app or something that should be a much easier thing to do. Mm-hmm. Particularly a thing that's been known to be an issue for years, but this seemed to be the time where it broke. Yeah. Uh, and law led to massive delays because they had no clue where anybody was. Mm-hmm. Were unable to complete these flights, canceled many people's, yeah, more than 16,700 canceled flights over the holidays mm. through them. Uh mm could end up leading to as much as $825 million in fines uh, as a result that uh, it went from December 21st to the 31st. Mm-hmm. Uh, they canceled, let's see, left families, airline staff stranded over Christmas and New Year's, while unclaimed luggage piled up at airports across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, some were still waiting to get their luggage back. Mm-hmm. Uh some of that stuff. The, the people working there are very much as frustrated as the customers because mm. uh, they were posting on, I think, the Reddit for Southwest Airlines, mm-hmm. the, the one for pilots and uh, that kind of stuff, talking about, like, yeah, we're just as annoyed as you people because we want to get home, you know, do our work and go home and all that kind of stuff, and they can't do that. Yeah. And, yeah, they're going to... Uh, suffer some massive losses. Their stock's been plummeting. Yeah. As a result, one passenger is suing Southwest after he claims it failed to properly refund him mm. or his daughter for a canceled flight. Uh, what Wednesday. are the odds that they're even going to be able to come up with those with all that fine money? Well, they should be able to. They got massive uh, loans from the government. It's Southwest Airlines. Yeah. It's it's. Uh, Seems like one of the make goods they're doing is they're offering twenty five thousand frequent flyer points, mm-hmm. which is worth more than three hundred dollars in flights, 
passengers whose flights are canceled significantly del- or significantly delayed over the holidays. It's like, great. What people exactly want is their money to be locked up in this, uh, the Southwest airlines system. So they have to fly there at least once more mm. uh, through them. But yeah, it led to lots of criticism of their operations. Uh, so much so that the CEO, or no, the Southwest Airlines Pilots Association published a letter that criticized the airline's chairman and former CEO, Gary Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary Kelly still reigns supreme on the board of this company by having overseen decisions, setting the conditions that made this most recent fiasco possible. Mm. Uh, let's see. I, for one, am tired of seeing my company's good name, and in some cases, our fellow employees' reputations dragged through the mud in national media. Uh, so much so that they put out uh, notices for employees. Like if you are calling off, you need to have a doctor's note and all this, uh, or else you're going to be terminated immediately. Mm. Uh, if you, you know, fail to uh, show up, all that kind of stuff. It was like, that's a great way to further advertise how shitty of a company you are. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody already knows they're not a great company because their business model is to be as cheap as possible. Mm. Hence why they don't assign people seats. Mm. They just say, go find a seat if you're in this group. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, congrats to them. Mm. All right. And now, f- next up, we got to sort of wash our mouth out with th- that awful, awful taste. We got our hero of the week. and Well, heroes of the week and our Major hero this week is DeMar Hamlin, player for the Buffalo Bills, who, after a routine tackle, suffered a very, what is a rare but not unknown injury uh, that caused him to go into cardiac arrest. And he managed to basically recovered enough to breathe on his own as of yesterday morning. Um, So I'll uh, just go ahead and say what it was that happened. So he tackled... Another guy, and uh, he got tackled. Well, no, I think it one of well, one either he got tackled or someone else got. I can't remember what. Point is, he under he underwent a uh, thing that's called that's called commodio cordis. Very, it's a rare but not unheard of thing that happens where when you're struck at a particular point on the thorax that causes the rhythm of your heart to get a extra bit of electricity into it, which causes its sort of beat to go irregular. And it doesn't happen immediately. It, it, the reaction is usually delayed because it takes time for, you know, the response to get through your nervous system, up to your brain, and then back. But basically what happened is after he got up, he got up, he seemed okay, and then, boom, he went into cardiac arrest and collapsed on the field. Um. And yeah, it basically shocked everybody because the dude yeah. is perfectly healthy um, by all accounts, and just out, you know, like it's it it really is an example of a freak accident. Like it, yeah. it, it's one of those things that has to happen where everything has to happen just right for it to happen. There's a bunch of factors involved, and this is the rare instance where all those factors were in play, and unfortunately, he was the one who ended up suffering it. Yeah, and it probably help, help, uh, helped that he is a young guy in really good shape. Yeah. Uh, so 
and that's, you know, they had medical staff nearby close enough to get, uh, start performing CPR on them pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, now this type of thing, like I said, it's, un- but it's not unheard of in any type in contact sports, football, American football, isn't the only thing this has also happened. It's, it's been recorded happening in rugby games and hockey. Um, there's been at least one that I've heard of where it happened in the middle of a soccer game. Um, but basically, whenever people come in contact, this is one of those things that like is a rare but still very much a risk. And yeah. part, part of the reason this, this story took off the way it is is, first off, because of its rarity. Um, because again, this is not something that happens very often. And, it happened you know, on live TV. Yeah, it happened on live TV. It happened on, you know, and keep in mind, football is under, uh, has been under a lot of scrutiny over the last few years because of the effects of CTE on its players. Um, yeah. But then one or two jerkbags went on social media and started spreading conspiracy theories that it's because he had the vaccine. Um, no, just, just no, screw you, Charlie Kirk for even putting that idea in people's heads. Yeah. Uh, he had his first tweet, uh, uh, since this all went down and guess what sort of comments he got in the, you know, to that. (sighs) I don't want to guess, but go ahead. That was stuff about him being vaccinated, Mm -hmm. being the cause of it. And it's like. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, great thing here is that they stopped the game mm-hmm. as a result. And basically the players and coaches said, we're not resuming this game Yeah, at all. Despite the typical protocol for the NFL would be to, you know, give players, you know, a few minutes to, uh, you know, warm up. Mm-hmm. And get back to it after whatever I think, but I think people were standing around for an hour trying to figure out what the the next move was because the NFL hasn't really had anything big like this happen in a while, in, you <laughs> yeah, know, like maybe fifty years or something like that, and that wasn't yeah. this kind of thing, yeah, either. So it was very much something that was unprecedented for them to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they. Uh, Essentially, accepted that we're looking at opportunities to have it, the game replayed because this is at the end of the season. Uh, yeah, it's the final week this weekend. Mm. Uh, so they're trying to figure out a way because these are two of the top teams in the AFC, and this would affect you know seeding and all that kind of stuff. But they ended up just canceling and said we'll just deal with the uh, the fallout of this mm. uh, as much as people are concerned about how to figure out how to fix that stuff you mm-hmm. know, at the last minute uh, as the playoffs are about to start. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, that's kind of the the wild thing. But finally, the NFL did something that isn't, you know, what makes them the most money. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, one of the things people did in response to this is found out that uh, DeMar was running a charity mm-hmm. and sort of donated to that. Mm. Uh as we have here, they have donated over $7 million to his charity. Yep. Uh, I think it's called the Chasing M's Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were run- He was running a GoFundMe fundraiser for it uh, mm. to get about $2,500 was the goal. 
And obviously mm. blew through that really quick. Yep. Uh, yeah, all the teams donated uh, $10,000 and three, $10,003. Mm-hmm. Uh, $10,000 for that. And because this uniform is three, added an extra mm-hmm. $3 at the end. Yeah. Uh, so some nice stuff happening there as a result. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, it shouldn't take uh, tragedies to happen for people to do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this guy was not asking for a ton to that. So, yeah, you know. Uh, but yeah, that's one. I think that he uses it to buy uh, toys and such for kids. Mm-hmm. In I forget where, but. His dad wrote a message uh, along with this, since you know, obviously he was not in a, a state to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, thanking people for their generous support, but say that they should also donate to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they aren't able to do that, you know, donate to their local hospital, help uh, support mm-hmm. them, or you know, find a way to buy lunch for doctors mm-hmm. there, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Some good happened as a result of this terrible thing. Yeah. And apparently Bayless too. Yeah. Uh, apparently, was... yeah. And according to uh, the doctors, the first thing he said when he woke up was, "Did we win?" Yeah. So. That's yeah. where his mind was at when he went down. That's mm-hmm. uh, a team first mentality, definitely. Yep. Or somebody that processes that time has passed since the thing they were last remembered. Mm-hmm. It's like, what happened? It's like, well, nothing. Yeah. They canceled it. Yeah. It's and like they havoc across fantasy football leagues all across the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I usually do mine on Yahoo Sports, and they essentially took away all the points from the little bit of game they did play. So I yeah. lost even worse mm-hmm. because of that. So that was great. Mm. Uh, but this was also the final week of all of their leagues, so mm-hmm. I was losing either way, so it didn't really matter. Mm. But uh, yeah, so uh, with that out of the way, it's now show proper. And uh, first story we got major is that wow, um, Kevin McCarthy was finally elected as Speaker of the House after a humiliating fifteen rounds of votes. Um, yeah. And yeah, this pretty much took all week. Um speaking of dignities that will end up on eBay. Yeah. Um so for whatever reason, I mean there were already days before that there was going to be some dissension in the ranks about who they were wanting to become a uh, speaker now that the Republicans control the house and well I mean, it's not necessarily unusual, maybe one or two votes um, for them to finally decide on a speaker. Um, But we haven't had something like this in over a century. Uh, The last time, the record for like uh, how many times it took to elect a speaker actually goes like before the Civil War or like during the Civil War. And I think it was like 1856, 1857, when they had to do 22 rounds of votes before they finally agreed on one. Um, but the last time it took more than nine votes was like back in the 1920s. 
So this is still yeah. like something that hadn't happened in over a century. And it was so weird too, because it was lockstep. Like the, the like it, like there was one day where like literally the vote tally did not change once, even though they voted like four times. Yeah. But yeah, go into it, Chris. Yeah, it took them 15 rounds. Mm-hmm. And pretty much most of the issues surrounded these 20 mm. uh, people are part of the Freedom Caucus. Yep. Uh, which is not what it sounds like. It's literally all the fringe alt-right people that are in Congress. Mm. Uh, Matt Gates, uh, Lauren Boebert, uh, all those QAnon people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Basically, seem to be usual crop of jackasses. Mm. Yeah, throwing their their hand down as uh, the vote was coming up to talk to uh, Kevin McCarthy about their issues and all that kind of stuff, mm. and like what he was going to do for them as a result to get their mm. votes. And they realized probably early on that you know if we keep just voting no against mm. him, voting for other people, he'll give us anything we want. Mm. Uh, and so that's what they did for the entirety of the week. So much so that he is apparently uh, acquiesce a lot of things, like supposedly that they only need like five people to essentially mutiny him mm-hmm. and take him out of the running. Yeah. Uh, out of the seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as many other things. There's not really anything here that's explains a lot of that stuff, but it's, it basically seems to suggest that, you know, if he wants to pass anything that has to run through them, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great place you want to be with a house speaker to basically have no power. Mm. Uh, so he's going to be a lame duck speaker, mostly also because, you know, the GOP doesn't have the how the, the Senate or the presidency. So mm. uh, anything they do is probably not going to get through the Senate's that if it's not, you know, a bipartisan thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be the, the one good thing here. And it's this, the Democrats just let this happen because, you know, to show exactly what happens when you let these people run things, mm. which is nothing of consequence gets done. Inability mm-hmm. to govern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so much so that, you know, they were having fun at times. I think Katie Porter in the last day, uh, people got a picture of her reading a book that said, uh, you know, a guide to not giving a fuck. Yep. Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, somebody in the Republicans was claiming that the, the Democrats were drinking in the house mm-hmm. kind of stuff, which they weren't. Uh, but AOC had something going on afterwards when they adjourned. I would imagine she would have just had her Nintendo switch out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she had some, a dinner she was going to go to and she's like, well, let's just get, you know, a bunch of drinks yeah. and celebrate, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, once he eventually won, uh, Hakeem Jeffries got to speak as the minority yeah. uh, speaker and basically just went, uh, went off on the Republicans Mm. had this uh, fun speech where he basically just went through the alphabet mm-hmm. uh, with his alliteration. That seemed to be the thing he was wanting to do uh, with all that. So he was talking about, you know, 
uh, I forget what all of them were, but mm. uh, the M one was like, you know, we're going to govern with maturity, not Mar-a-Lago, you know, and going through the entire alphabet with that kind of thing is a, a pretty good introductory mm. speech to what mm. he is all about. Uh, then he also did a, a speech to send off uh, Nancy Pelosi as mm-hmm. uh, the former speaker. Mm-hmm. Talked about her as one of the greater spe- greatest speakers in the House's history, mm-hmm. which she is. She you can see the clear difference between Kevin McCarthy and her, mm-hmm. or even though she had you know a core group of progressives that you know were always uh, in lockstep with them mm-hmm. whenever they had uh, important stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she managed to work with them in a way that helped get their things done as best they could, as well as get the things that she needed to get done mm. and kept everybody going with that. And the Democrats held s- steady this entire time. Mm-hmm. None of them budged to vote for Kevin or anything. They all voted for Hakeem the entire time. Mm-hmm. I think even one of their people yelled in their votes like Leroy Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Just in case you need to know the sort of the age of people that get into Congress these days. Yeah. That would know what that is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there you go. The man got humiliated this week and now has a job that isn't really his. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, moving on from there, uh, to talk about, uh, right here, we got the FDA abortion pill available online and off, basically meaning that it's something that can happen all over the country. So, yeah, yeah that's good. <laughs> yeah, they partially uh, implemented this change last year, but announcing it would no longer enforce a long-standing requirement that women have to pick up the medicine in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, this action formally updates the drugs labeling to allow many more retail pharmacies to dispense the pills, mm. so long as they complete a certification process. Mm-hmm. This is allow uh, many more pharmacies, including large chains, large chains and mail order companies, to be able to uh, dispense this stuff uh, out to uh, women that need it. Mm. Uh, they can get a prescription by a telehealth consultation with a health professional, then re- receive the pills through the mail where permitted by law. Uh, still, the rules chain rule changes impact has been blunted by numerous state laws. Limiting abortion broadly and the pill specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, legal experts foresee years of court battles over access to, pill- to the pills as abortion rights proponents bring test cases to challenge state restrictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also had to do this sort of thing with the morning after pill mm-hmm. uh, to clarify that it is not for abortion purposes. Yeah. Because uh, that was being used as a way to prevent uh, women from getting that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm. some some good news in that front. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, so there's some good news there. Uh, and now for some not so good news: a teacher in Newport News, Virginia, was shot by a six-year-old student. Yeah, uh, luckily the teacher seems like uh, they will be okay. Mm-hmm. And now the question is sort of how did this kid get this gun? Mm-hmm. Likely from the parents, uh, and what can be done about this? Yeah, because uh, obviously they're not going to lock up the kid uh, for this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I'm assuming they're going to look at you know negligence charges oh, against yeah. the parents. Yeah. Because obviously this kid didn't buy the gun or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had pretty easy access to this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be something to see how that goes. Cause it's, yeah. It's typically a lot younger than you see here about the, the kids' shootings. Because mm-hmm. uh, he seemed to have a beef with his teacher and unfortunately got a hold of something deadly enough to potentially kill her. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, one of the things I saw was they, the local news actually talked to this woman who was a, I believe she's a British woman who's married to like a, a American who's in the military. And so she lives here and basically, you know, she had her own child in her own. And she's like, you know, I keep trying to tell everybody it's the bloody guns. That's the problem. Um, you know, she's like, you know, I live in this country because, you know, my husband is in the military, and you know, if it weren't for that, I wouldn't be here. You know? Yeah. Stuff like that. But, yeah, it's a terrible thing happened, and uh, yeah, I hope they're able to solve it somehow, but... um and now in more bullshit news, a new Louisiana law requires its citizens to provide proof of their age to visit and view porn sites, specifically with, like, a government ID. Yeah. And this is how all the children of Louisiana learned what VPNs were. Yeah, I was going to say, that that business is about to skyrocket. Mm-hmm. It's an issue that not every website is flagged on this stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a lot of the big ones, but, you know, smaller ones... Mm-hmm. They may very well slide past this. Uh, but yeah, the let's see, you require uh, proof of their age. This is a government-issued ID mm-hmm. to visit and view pornographic websites like Pornhub, YouPorn, and RedTube. Uh, yeah, this controversial law known as Act 440 requires adult websites to screen their visitors using reasonable age verification. The new law applies to any websites whose content is at least 33.3% pornographic material that is, quote-unquote, harmful to minors, according to the bill signed last June. Uh, It doesn't specify how 33.3% would be calculated. Mm -hmm. So this very much sounds like a bill that was made for an issue without any real solutions. It doesn't really have any details or anything like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, any commercial entity that knowingly and intentionally publishes or distributes material harmful to minors on the in- internet from a website that contains a substantial proportion uh, portion of such material shall be held liable if the entity fails to perform reasonable age verification methods mm-hmm. to verify the age of individuals attempting to access the material. Uh, let's see, and yeah, it's sort of concerns about online privacy, so if you... Uh, enter your sensitive data, such as your driver's license, address, phone number, social security number. Sort of how are you protecting that data? Mm. Uh, because I believe they said, like, oh, we're not, you know, collecting your data or anything. Mm. And it's like, well, how is this all protected from, you know, privacy issues that they're, not, you know, it seems like uh, you enter this data it gets logged somewhere to verify that this person, you know, verified this thing, Mm -hmm. but then it gets supposedly deleted real quickly. Yeah. It's like, that doesn't seem like what the internet uh, is for. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cause you know, Facebook has made a ton of money off of that shit. 
mm-hmm. or supposedly not logging people's information and doing it anyway. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the bill sponsor very much seems to be that sort of person uh, mm-hmm. that you would expect to uh, make this kind of thing. Uh, uh, Rep. Lori Schlegel. Online pornography is extreme and graphic and only one click away from our children. Mm-hmm. This is not your daddy's playboy, she tweeted. And the law is a first step in holding pornography companies accountable. Turner seems to be a hostile anti-pornography person. Mm-hmm. Uh, calling it obscene, all that kind of stuff. So Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well... <laughs> Yeah, Louisiana yeah. um, is about to find out that the technology has moved far past what they had expected. <laughs> yeah, um, it's like, does Twitter count as a pornography company? Yeah, because there's a lot of it on there. Oh yeah. Uh, anyway, next up, the uh, Black Family Bruce's Beach from LA County uh, are talking about. I guess they're talking about selling it back to the county for twenty million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bruce's Beach, a longtime famous landmark in L.A. County. Uh, and the story behind it is awful because the land was owned by a black family back in the day, but was stolen from them. Uh, hence, it was named Bruce's Beach because it was from the Bruce family. Uh, and I think last year or the year before, they returned the land to uh, the heirs of the, the family. And yeah, it seems like they uh, intend to not necessarily keep it, uh, but to sell it to LA County uh, for nearly $20 million Mm -hmm. and sort of uh, regain some of the lost wealth that that area would have provided them if their family were able to keep it. Uh, So yeah, that's uh, the process of return the beach to the Bruce's included a plan for LA County to lease the land for 413 thousand dollars annually also include an option to buy the land for as much as 20 million dollars so it seems like they are taking that option to get a lump sum uh so yeah that'll be good for that family mm-hmm. and there's more story here about the the history of this area and you'll be surprised to know that them being successful uh the bruce family mm-hmm. angered the white people so much mm. that's how their land got taken from them yeah, but uh, next and uh, next up in some other stupid shit, uh, Amazon plans on laying off thousand employees because mm-hmm. you know otherwise you know the board of directors would have to sacrifice their million dollar you know annual bonuses so that you know they you know they just suffer under their already millions of dollars that they already have just. Yeah, this seems to be related to the 10,000 they were planning to lay off. Mm-hmm. Decided, well, it's going to be uh, 18,000 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like the way this is written here. While 18,000 is a large number of jobs, it's just a little more than 1% of the 1.5 million workers, Amazon employees in warehouses and corporate offices, mm. which just shows how much bloat there is uh, for the the massive amount of shipping and such that they do mm-hmm. that they need to employ that many people just to keep that running as well as it can. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, not a great look for them because 
uh, I think it was announced the other day that we are at the lowest point in uh, the unemployment rates that we've been in 50 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so things seem to be going pretty well on that front. Uh, but some of these companies are still committed to there being a recession and needing to cut these jobs, save themselves. Mm. Or probably save them some money uh, that they can give to their executives. Because mm-hmm. they need it more. So there you go. Yeah. But uh, let's see. Um, and then, of course, we got this story from Bed Bath & Beyond saying likely because of just their absolute freaking hubris. <laughs> yeah, so this is because last year they had a windfall of extra cash. And what they did with that money is stock buybacks. Spent the vast majority of it. So when it came to have money for, say, keeping their company afloat, well, suddenly they had run out of that money yeah. as they womp, womp. had yeah. a very bad uh, fourth quarter, end of the year. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they expect to report sales declining by 33% compared to last year for the quarter that ended right after Black Friday. Uh, a reflection of lower customer traffic and reduced levels of inventory availability. Forecast suggests losses would increase by almost 40% to $385.8 million. Mm-hmm. I think it's also partially they have loans that have been deferred and such, and they've got uh, payments on those coming up for a big chunk of that money. And they may not have the money to actually pay it off and keep themselves running. Mm. So they seem to be in a plan right now to close about 150 of their 950 stores across the country, uh, as well as lay off a bunch of people. You know, this news caused their stock price to drop more than 20% as soon as markets open. So, you know, great for them. Um, oh, yeah, and this, uh, this, this whole thing is related to GameStop. Oh, as, yeah, of course. Uh, I'll do my best GameStop, to hide my surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know the the whole meme stock stuff with GameStop. They eventually put the guy that was kind of behind that, Ryan Cohen, who formerly created Chewy.com, mm-hmm. uh, in charge of them. And magically, he did not save them from their financial issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, he bought a stake in Bed Bath & Beyond last year, prompting his followers on Reddit and YouTube to pump up Bed Bath stock. Mm-hmm. You know, Beyond what they had... Uh, been at that point, so that seems like that helped, uh, you know, increase the uh, rate at which they could fail mm-hmm. if things didn't go super well for them. Because you know, people buying the stock on the cheap uh, for a joke does not translate into actual traffic and sales in the stores. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they seem like they're on the verge of dying out, like Circuit City. Mm-hmm. And that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there you go. So I'm sure it's not a huge coincidence that probably Target and Walmart, uh, yeah. and those sorts of companies, have taken a lot of their their home, uh, mm-hmm. you know, shopping uh, stuff stuff to put in your home. Mm-hmm. That's been business at Target and Walmart have increased of late. Mm-hmm. At least one good thing is you won't get as much of that spam mail from them mm. with all the coupons and shit. 
Yeah, thank God. Uh, next up, uh, two very, very stupid men attacked a substation to knock out an area's power so that they could use the chaos to commit a robbery. Yeah, that's uh, a very smart thing to do. Uh, so it left thousands without power on Christmas Day in uh, Washington State. Uh, let's see. Federal agents say one of the men confessed to knocking out the power in order to commit a burglary by emptying the cash register of a local business during the power outage. Uh, the FBI says cell phone records led to the arrest of uh, Matthew Greenwood and Jeremy Crayon, uh, both residents of Puyallup, Washington. Uh, according to documents unsealed Tuesday, both men have been charged with conspiracy to damage energy facilities. And Green One has also been charged with possession of an unregistered firearm. And the sabotage came after a string of other attacks on power infrastructures across the U.S. There was that one in North Carolina. It very much seemed pretty obvious what happened, but uh, one of the the key uh, people involved just claimed ignorance over what could happen uh, in North Carolina, where clearly a bunch of white nationalists decided to shoot up the substations that took out a bunch of homes uh, and businesses off the power grid uh, for a few days at least. And uh, I think it was all to stop a drag show from happening. Yeah. In that area. Uh-huh. You know, that's the, the length that people go to, to stop something like that. Yeah. And they straight up said they intend to do it again. Mm-hmm. And the cops were like, ah, I think it was just a good old, uh, coincidence. No. No, it's not. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But, uh, fortunately, now we've got the, uh, show. Um, the, uh, first entertainment news we got is Netflix has announced that Wednesday was renewed for the second season, which makes total sense because that show ended up being surprisingly really good. Water is wet. Yeah. 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 One of their most popular shows ever. Yep. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it's become the second biggest English language season of television on Netflix. Over 1.2 billion hours viewed within its first 28 days. Mm-hmm. Among other streaming series records. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that could be a really good season too. They set up for just more stuff going on uh, as Wednesday has sort of warmed up to her new school mm-hmm. and all that. So yeah, that's. Great news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, another uh, Netflix series, 1899, has canceled after one season. Yeah. This is from the creators of Dark, mm-hmm. uh, like a German series that was very much a cult hit. Mm. Uh, got a couple of seasons there for that, but this one just didn't seem to take off with people mm. uh, for 1899. Uh, just a, another weird, like, uh, mystery, mysterious thriller kind of thing uh, is going on. Uh, I watched like half of the first episode and kind of didn't come back to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was bad. It was just a whole vibe that I wasn't ready for at that point. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of people were disappointed because they were going to wait. And it's like, well, I think the, the big thing with Netflix, uh, you know, for the past year or so, sort of that engagement early on helps mm-hmm. out a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
1899 did not seem to do super well on that front. Mm-hmm. And so they've decided that that was enough. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to shop it around for a second season or anything. We'll set to see on that front, but mm-hmm. at least for Netflix, uh, that's not going to continue there. Mm. Yeah. Um, and in another instance of shit that's going on with both HBO and Warner Brothers, HBO Max removed half of its Looney Tunes catalog along with three seasons of The Flintstones. Yeah, this is a weird whole thing. Um, they took down 256 episodes of Looney Tunes, uh, about half of the like 515 that were on there or something like that. Uh, and this, uh, the Flintstones is also about half, but it's seasons four to six have been pulled about 78 episodes. The first three seasons are still there. Mm-hmm. And it sort of shows the, the more of the mindset that Warner brothers discovery has, which is these are things they own. Mm-hmm. And I believe this is the stuff I was reading somewhere else uh, that essentially is a result of the, the part of Warner Brothers that actually owns the these properties, sort of licensing them out to HBO for HBO Max, and that deal essentially ended at the end of the of 2022. And they're very much in a state of you know not being interested in renewing a new deal or anything like that because mm. that would cost money. Yeah. to essentially license it out to one of the services that they own. Because mm-hmm. corporations are stupid. Yep. Instead of this being a a service of, you know, showing off the back catalog, the extensive back catalog that you know Warner Brothers has, mm-hmm. which you know includes the classic Looney Tunes stuff, all that uh Warner Brothers stuff as well as all the Stuff that comes from Cartoon Network and Hanna Barbera and all that mm-hmm. uh, that they got from there, uh, as well as now they have you know Adult Swim and Rooster Teeth and all this other stuff, and it's not looking good for animation mm-hmm. as a priority for this company. Yeah, especially the stuff that literally is hard to get uh, otherwise legitimately. And it's like not even just unique to Warner Brothers. Like Disney has a ton of stuff that they have not put up on Disney Plus or Hulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot more Mickey Mouse stuff that is not on their service. Yeah. That kind of thing. Mm. And it's with the, all that reckoning. But I think you can still access some of the Looney Tunes stuff, if not much of it's on Amazon, because they also mm-hmm. have a deal with them to put it on there. And it's just like. Yeah all the business bullshit that comes with this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the reason why it was a lot better when you had, you know, independent companies like Netflix yeah, uh, doing this stuff because then they could just license it out. Yep. Whatever, because when they're doing their own thing, they show them that they don't really give a shit about their service being, you know, a haven of their back catalog. Mm-hmm. But uh, to uh, round out the uh, show, we got a few trailers right here. First and foremost, Rachel Evil Dead Rise. Yeah, this is a a new Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not in the campy Bruce Campbell. Nope. Uh, thing. It's more in the more recent Evil Dead stuff, where it's more of a scary horror movie. Mm-hmm. 
uh, but with a little bit of jokey uh, undead people uh, being able to talk and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so that is looking pretty decent for that, though not sort of the Evil Dead stuff I would want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that'll be out in theaters April 21st. Mm. So yeah, yeah, there you go. And uh, next up, we also got an official trailer for Renfield, which of course is related to Dracula. Yeah, this is the Nick Cage movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where Nick Cage is Dracula. Uh, I forget who plays Renfield. Uh, Nicholas Holt mm. is Renfield, the tortured uh, helper for mm. Dracula, who, in exchange for being his helper, sort of gives him these powers. Mm-hmm. Essentially, and that kind of drives him to a bad mental place. Yeah, and they very much played up uh, as a part of this trailer, uh, as well as almost kind of having like a "what we do in the shadows" kind of vibe to it, mm-hmm. uh, being very campy and all that kind of stuff, uh, which could be a very cool thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, Nick Cage shows up uh, for this like weird AA meet kind of meeting, but for people that work in toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. And so of course he's supposed to like bring people for his master to feed on. Mm -hmm. And the guy, you know, invites him in, which you don't do with vampires. Yeah. Dracula. So he comes in and has a very campy introduction about how he's going to eat all these people, suck the Mm -hmm. blood, you know, fun stuff. Mm. So this could be a really cool movie. That's out April 14th. Mm. It's a little bit sooner than, uh, Evil Dead Rise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there you go. Mm. All right. Well, uh, next we also got an official Netflix's You People, which looks yeah. like stars Eddie Murphy. Yeah, it features Eddie Murphy and Jonah Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonah Hill is sort of the the star here as somebody who's kind of looking for like a good relationship, like he wants. Uh, ends up having this chance encounter with a a black woman. Uh, they end up sort of becoming close, getting to a relationship, and then it comes to the point of potentially, you know, uh, proposing to her. So they're like, "Well, we got to meet the families," and he meets uh, her family, which uh, has you know Eddie Murphy as her dad, mm. uh, and then she meets his family which has Julia Louise Drivas and David Duchovny as, uh, uh, as they're Jewish and all the sort of funny hijinks as mm-hmm. comes along with that. I think there's even a discussion of, well, we were the original slaves mm-hmm. uh, and all that to the, to the couple being like, you know, let's just get out of here. Fuck these people. Mm-hmm. Just constantly getting into drama and all this. So yeah, that'll be out January 27th. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like this could be a pretty fun movie here. Mm. So, there, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, and finally, we got an official Peacock Poker Face. Yeah, Poker Face for Peacock, the uh, 10-episode series from Ryan Johnson. Uh, doing this as like a mystery of the week kind of series featuring Natasha Leone, mm-hmm. who... Her character has an extraordinary ability to determine when someone is lying. And so she sort of goes on the road uh, to uh, different towns and helps 
solve weird crimes that she ends up being kind of linked to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the fun vibes that uh, Knives Out and Glass Onion has. Mm. Uh, so it's looking like a an underrated thing, like one of the first big uh, Peacock originals that people are interested in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're going to be out January 26th on Peacock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I do believe we got ourselves a show done, folks. Absolutely. It's good to be back. It's good to be in 2023 so far. It's uh, eventful, but not terribly eventful. Um, you know what? I probably just jinxed it, didn't I? I don't know. It's already been pretty deathy. Yeah. <laughs> well, either way, uh, if I would like to remind all of our listeners, you got a question, something you want us to read on the air, you can get in touch with us at letsweekenders at gmail.com. That's letsweekenders at gmail.com. we got a link for it in the show notes. Also, on top of Apple Podcasts, you can also catch our little bit of unscripted shenanigans at TuneIn, Google Play, RSS, or archive.org, or any kind of aggregator you can think of. Um, but uh, in the meantime, uh, we're going to go ahead and up here. Uh, of course, always make sure to check out smashpad.com. We've got a bunch of new content that we're putting up there, and we've got a bunch of new plans for the site. We're in the process of updating some stuff and basically trying to bring it into uh, 2023 nice and fresh. Um, so we're going to go ahead and end things. Um, it's good to be in 2023. We hope that this year ends up being better than the last one, but it probably won't. But either way, we'll be here to uh, sit back and eat popcorn as everything goes down the flames. Good night, everybody. Good night.